Well, hello and uh, welcome to another edition of Pep Talk, the Persuasive Evangelism Podcast. I'm Andy Bannister from the Solar Centre for Public Christianity, and I'm joined all the way uh, from the other side of the Atlantic uh, for this uh, edition of the podcast by Mark Mittelberg. Mark, how are you doing today? Doing great. Great to be with you, Andy. It's fantastic to have uh, you with us. Now, tell uh, folks who are listening, where is it you are from? Because the USA is a big uh, country. Where, whereabouts uh, do you call home? Yeah, I'm kind of in the middle of the West uh, near the Rockies in just south of Denver, Colorado. And I uh, love it here. We get a lot of snow, but a lot of sunshine. It's a great place to live. Yeah. I've been to uh, I've been to Colorado in the snow, and I have to say the mountains there are uh, are spectacular. As someone who lives loves mountains, so I'm slightly envious of your geographical location. Um, now, Mark, you wear a number of hats and have over the years, but I suppose the big one uh, you wear, as well as being an author and a speaker and all those things, podcaster, you are also uh, the executive director of the Lee Strobel Center uh, for Evangelism and Applied Apologetics at Colorado Christian. University. Why don't you tell us a bit about that? And then what we really want to talk about is a really exciting new book you've written and some of the stuff that comes out of that. But what is the Lee Strobel Center and uh, what is it you do for them? Sure. Uh, Lee Strobel and I have been best friends and ministry partners for over 30 years. Uh, We kind of mentored each other in various ways. We've been doing this stuff forever. Um, But we kind of formalized that with launching this uh, training center through in a partnership with Colorado Christian University. And what it is, is we deal with reasons for the faith, you know, Christian apologetics, as well as how to express the faith, how to do persuasive evangelism. How's that? Um, And uh, it's here's what's cool. It's all online training and it's accredited. And Mm -hmm. so folks from the UK, folks from all around the world can take advantage of it and get an undergraduate or a master's degree in these areas. And we also have uh, lower price certificate courses for people that say, I don't need college credit, but I want to get the learning. So uh, we've been doing this now for several years. We launched it right before the pandemic, which was a little challenging, but it's going really well. And I would just urge anyone that wants to learn more about it. We have a website at strobelcenter.com. S e r o b e l centered. Oh wait, I have to spell center too, don't I? You do because uh, we spell it correctly <laughs> over here, of course. So. Yeah, well, the misspelling that we use is c e n t e r dot com, but strobelcenter dot com. Get more information. Uh, we just have some of our first graduates uh, getting their degrees, and um, it, it's just been great response to it. And Lee Strobel and I are thrilled to kind of quarterback mm-hmm. this. Well, that's great to hear. And we will put a link uh, to the Strobel Center into the, the show notes, along with also information on your book. But let's talk about your book, Mark. Your uh, your new book is uh, called Contagious Faith. And one of the things that interests me, I think as we were chatting before I pressed record, one of the things that you and I have in common um, is that we both notice that f- people are afraid of evangelism. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, pep talk the audience, people sort of self-select, people listening to this podcast are already keen on evangelism, but many listeners will know, especially pastors and, and leaders, that trying to get people in your churches interested in evangelism is tough. Um, we've noticed that here, you've noticed that. Talk us through some of that, Mark. What are some of the reasons that you've come across, I think, why people are struggling, why people are fearful when it comes to evangelism? And then what is it particularly in this new book that you kind of press into that you think can can help a bit? 
I'd love to. I, I think the two main reasons that Christians don't share their faith, assuming they know Jesus told us to, you know, this is something we're all called to. We're all members of the church to which Jesus gave the Great Commission. So I think most of us know we should. I think the two main reasons we don't is one, we just haven't been prepared. We haven't been through any training. Um, but I think the more common one and often overlooked is we don't see it as something that fits our personality. We feel like, you know, the person God made me to be, the the, the talents and, you know, personality and experience I have just doesn't lend it for me to do. And the reason we have that view is we have stereotypes of evangelism that are usually extreme and don't fit us. I, I think the average Christian has decided evangelism is for one of two kinds of people, either the superstar Christian who can do it really well, you know, and then think of some well-known evangelist, you know, a uh, Billy Graham or, a, you know, Jay John or whoever comes to your mind, you know, those guys have special gifts and talents that I don't have. Uh, or, you know, it's either for superstar Christians or it's for people who are just obnoxious enough to do it anyway. <laughs> and, you know, and we've all seen those types, you know, that just voice themselves on everybody and kind of cram the gospel down their throats. And, and I think the average Christian, and I fit into this for a long time myself, says, I'm not a superstar, but I don't want to be a weirdo. I guess I'll leave evangelism to other people. And and I think, you know, nine out of 10, if not more people in the churches just say, you know, it's not my job. You know, maybe the pastor can do it. Maybe uh, the evangelist can do it, but not me. Yeah. The interesting thing about the first of those categories that you mentioned, the kind of superstar, I mean, I identify that tremendously because I think when I was young, and you funny you mentioned Billy Graham, I remember dear old Billy Graham coming to London, came to Crystal Palace, you know, uh, not far from where I lived, when we took coaches up from the church. I remember sitting there watching that thinking, my word, that's un unbelievable. I don't know how he could do that. So it wasn't inspiring. It was terrifying. It was encouraging, yeah. but terrifying. Yeah. But then the other thing that intrigues me, Mark, I think like all of these things around evangelism, these myths, is there is an element of truth. I mean, it's clearly the case that, that Billy, it's clearly the case that, that J. John, clearly the case that the others we might mention have a particular gifting. And that's great that God's given them that. But then the, the challenge, we universalize that, don't we? And say, well, unless I have that, you know, absolute, you know, gifting as a big onstage evangelist, I can't do evangelism among my friends, my neighbors. And I guess yeah. is this where your book comes in with the fact that maybe there are very different styles of evangelism and that maybe God can use each one of us, but we need to do it in our way. Exactly. And I think beyond just viewing the, the you know, people on the big platform doing the big events, a lot of us have had experiences that didn't fit us. And I was mentioning to you before we started the broadcast that, you know, I had some experience, ironically, right there in the UK, uh, early on in my Christian walk, where I was part of a church in South London for a whole summer. And it was a great church. I loved the people. Um, I didn't have that great of an experience. I, in hindsight, it was a wonderful experience. But as I was going through it, it was really tough. Because we were doing cold contact, you know, go around the neighborhoods, knock on doors, try to talk to people about Jesus. And people were shutting us down. And, uh, you know, I actually had one uh, woman <laughs> tell me, basically said, why don't you go back and pester people in your own country? <laughs> so, uh, it, you know what, at that moment, it sounded like a good idea. 
because you know, it's just like, this is not going well. I don't like this. And by the time I was flying back to America at the end of the summer, I, I just in my mind thought, I'm done with evangelism. This is not my deal. But the problem was I was trying to do it in ways that didn't fit my God-given personality or what I would call now my evangelism style. Yeah. And I think I can, I can very much identify. I think, um, you know, in my case, there was Billy Graham. And then my for me, my other horrific experience and i talk about this in in, in my book but with that we'll do, we've already talked about that at solas this is about you and your book but when i was probably 16 17 the kind of youth pastor at our church kind of got the bug for evangelism and decided to use the youth group as you know cannon fodder i think we probably called it looking back and so we tried door to door and we tried street evangelism and both went badly badly wrong you know really terrible drama sketches that you know i remember one old lady giving us money to just go and buy ice creams and shut up <laughs> and, then, uh, and then on one case you know knocking on the door knocking on doors and getting doors shut slammed in our face and in one case having you know dogs set on us another case the door being opened by you know a 300 pound entirely naked man and oh, wow. um it was just horrific that's a bad day in evangelism. it's a bad day right and you come away going this is not for me because again it was that idea that evangelism is something special but i want to talk about your style thing but i think a big learning lesson for me and maybe there's an overlap with this was that evangelism when it's going well and it should be it should feel normal it shouldn't feel that you're doing something weird and freaky it should be yeah normal um working it, through it, the way it that can feel like a stretch it feels it's natural your heart beats a little faster yeah. you know how important it is but yeah it should feel like you know you're not being someone you're not or trying to wear a some kind of costume or something and, and so here's what began to change for me. Even during that experience in London, um, I was there with my wife and I was part of a small team and I stumbled onto an innovation a little bit. And then this got confirmed when I got back home, but I finally partway through the summer just began to realize, you know, first of all, why am I the one knocking on the doors? Because I'm the one that hates this the most in our group. So (laughs) this is dumb. Um, and I finally thought, well, my wife, Heidi, is she's a gregarious, outgoing people person. Uh, I like to describe her as someone who makes new best friends on an elevator ride, you know, because she, she's just like that. And she's always meeting new people. Her name's Heidi. Uh, she's a, a petite, short uh, Scandinavian gal and attractive. I finally thought, let her knock on the doors. I'll, you know, crouch down, hide behind her. And maybe she'll have better luck than I do. And sure enough, instead of people telling us to go pester people in our own country, they would see Heidi and, and her smile and they'd say, oh, uh, would you like to come in and have some tea? And it's like, Pretty I'm nice. back there going, this isn't fair, but I'd just rush in behind her, you know. And all of a sudden, we're, we're you know, it, it, things are working. And I, re- I learned some lessons. It's like, I'm not alone in this. I don't have to try to be the end all everything. We can play to our strengths. That was what I began to see. And sure enough, we'd get in. We're having tea. Um, the, Heidi would talk about the church we were from and you know, mention a couple things. And then people would almost inevitably ask a hard spiritual question. And Heidi holding her cup of tea would kind of look and go, Mark, it's your turn, you know. And that was fine with me because I was at the time getting my master's degree in philosophy of religion. I, you know, I studied Christian apologetics. Um, and I loved answering questions once we were in the door. 
Well, those were clues. And then when I got back home, I went back to my church. I went to a midweek service at our church where I heard a message from the pastor on how even in the pages of the Bible, they took a variety of approaches. They didn't all do evangelism the same way. And we can take our cues from them and learn from them. Well, that was to me liberating. It was revolutionary. And that led to me writing my original book and training course that a lot of people in the UK have used. Uh, and that was called Becoming a Contagious Christian. Hmm. In fact, that went around the world, 2 million people trained. It ended up in more than 20 languages. And God really used it, but that was years ago and it needed up, you know, not just updating, needed reworking. So that's what I've now, you know, put into this new book new called Contagious Faith. So you, you talk, Mark, about the fact that if we look at the Bible, we see different examples of yes. evangelism, different evangelism styles. Can you give us, a, give us an example of that? Perhaps just, just pick two to sort of contrast, you know, sort of two different styles we see we see shown there in Scripture. Sure. Um, maybe I'll just, I'll, I'm going to sneak a third one in here. But, well, three's yeah. fine. I didn't, I didn't want to steal the book, basically. Yeah. Just, oh, well, no, I don't mind listing all of them. But, the book. Uh, but, I mean, one of the first one I talk about in the book is the broadest um, – it's the one my wife Heidi has, and I call it the friendship building style. And uh, it just means you build relational bridges. You know, you, you, you're not out knocking on doors necessarily. By the way, I'm not down on that. Mm. Uh, that's the fifth style, which I can talk about. Uh, I think some people are good at direct evangelism. Just most of us aren't. And when we get forced into it, we get turned off to the whole enterprise. So, um, but back to Heidi, she's friendship building. Um, the example in scripture that we use is Matthew, the tax collector, who wants to reach his tax collecting buddies. And it tells us in Luke 5, 29, he decided to have a party at his house. And so he, he has this party. He invites the guys from the tax office. He invites his new friends, the disciples of Jesus and Jesus, and mixes it up relationally and uses that relational context to talk about spiritual matters. And that's what Heidi did. She she just and does. I mean, she did it in the neighborhoods of London. She does it now in the neighborhoods where we live in Colorado. She just opens doors and builds friendships, builds trust, and it opens the way to spiritual conversations. Uh, and by the way, Jesus was called the friend of sinners. Mm. And Jesus, you know, often was highly relational in ways that would get him in trouble. And uh, that's why they, they accusatorily called him the friend of sinners. But he wore it as a compliment, and uh, that's the way we should view it as well. That we, you know, we're out to build trust and relationships with people that need to know the Savior. Hmm. So that's one. Now, the, I'll contrast that to mine. Mine's yep. the reason giving style. That's on in the book. That's the fourth one. And reason giving style is is the person who's more like the Apostle Paul, who constantly gave reasons and he says in second corinthians 10 that uh we demolish arguments and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to christ i mean this is a debater i mean this is a guy who would often say we persuade people and the, our place we look at in particular is act 17 where he you know presents and defends the gospel in front of these philosophers in athens greece on mars hill and that, I, 
I relate to that totally. I, you know, I don't want to knock on someone's door, but I'll sit with a Muslim for five hours and talk to him or an atheist or a skeptic or someone with an LDS background or whatever and talk truth and talk reasons. And, and, uh, and I don't get mad about it. I don't get heated up. I just say, Hey, I, I think we all want to ultimately know what's right, right? What's true. Well, let's look at the reasons. Let's look at mm-hmm. the evidence. I'll, I'll share my evidence. You share your reasons and let's compare notes. And so mm-hmm. that's, you know, I already was that when I got to England, but, but I still felt like I was less spiritual because I didn't like knocking on doors. And I think I just, it took a while to get over that feeling like I'm, I'm a less courageous soldier for Jesus because I don't like to do things that other people like to do. Mm. And again, that's part of the liberating message of contagious faith is that it's okay not to do what you don't like to do. And uh, uh, we can work as a team. I love that. I love the liberation message because my, yeah. So we said earlier, my, my, my story is not dissimilar to, to yours that the, you know, after the sort of door knocking stuff in my teens, then in my early twenties, I started going to, to speakers corner in London and standing yeah. on ladders and trying to do, you know, public evangelism that way with Muslims. And I learned a lot and enjoyed it. Did, did it for five years, most weekends, but increasingly feeling I wasn't, didn't fit there. And then I think, you know, my style will be the same as yours. And something you said interested me actually, that I am also married to someone who's a more of a friendship relational person. And is there something Mark about actually the way God puts us together in, couples here for those listening to this who are married because i'm very conscious that astrid and i work really well i realize as a team because she's very good at building relationships a bit more outgoing than than i am in that sense i'm a shy extrovert she's an outgoing introvert but then within the context of those relationships when stuff comes up it works very well that she's then married to somebody who can you know come in and go well it's interesting you would say that so actually then we lets us realize that we're not lone rangers whether it's husband and wife or within a church team you can mix and match the gifts Absolutely. Right. And, and, and everyone and you don't get strength. extra credit for leading people to Christ alone. You know, it, it's Jesus sent him out. I mean, he first of all, he had 12 disciples. You know, he had a team of 12, and then he sent them out two by two. And so, yeah, I think it often is the case that in a marriage or in a friendship, you, you hang out with people who are different. And, um, and this is part of why I get excited. I'm kind of jumping ahead, but I ex- get excited to have whole churches read the contagious faith book, but also go through, I have a six week video training course. Um, and, and this, again, this is kind of a new 2.0 version of what we had years ago with the becoming a contagious Christian training course where, you know, people can all go through it together in a small group or a class at their church. And it's beautiful because then you start, you know, everyone kind of goes around the room and says, well, now that we've kind of learned about these and I took, filled out the questionnaire that's in the course. I think I'm probably this and then this, you know, my main one is mm-hmm. the reason giving, but my secondary is truth telling or, or whatever. And there's, like I say, there's five of these and we don't try to limit you to the five. You may be number six that we didn't think of, but what a liberating thing for everyone to say, okay, this is why John, when you always want me to go out door to door with you and I always resist, I'm not made to do what you do, but I celebrate you doing that. Um, but here's what I'm made to do. You, you run into an atheist at one of those doors and he wants to talk, text me and I'll be right over, <laughs> you know, and, and we can work together. And that is such a liberating thing. And let me just quickly inject this because I know we'll suddenly be out of time. But uh, the, the fifth style is the uh, 
truth-telling style. And that's the more direct, hard-hitting, get-to-the-point kind of personality. Our example in Scripture of that one is Peter, who, as we know, was just like bold and hard-hitting. And our example is the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, where he stands up in front of thousands, mostly Jewish audience, and basically tells them, <clears throat> tells them God sent his Messiah and you killed him and you're in trouble. And, uh, you know, really, you know, confronts them with truth in a very direct way. Uh, and God uses it. And we all know the rest of the story. Over 3,000 came into the family and were baptized into the church that day. So I celebrate all of these styles. And that one is not mine, the direct one. But I love I love being around people that have it. You know, because they tend to open the doors and stir everything up for the rest of us. And then we kind of go in their wake and, you know, patch people up and become their friend and, you know, answer their questions and show hospitality and serve them. And I'm giving clues to some of the other styles here. But um, but together then, together as a team in the body of Christ, we can all work together to try to reach all of our friends, all of our coworkers and neighbors and family members and classmates and so forth. And I think as we come into about, you know, our last two or three minutes, um, Mark, I think what I love about that is that emphasis on team. Because I look back to what, you know, why I was afraid of evangelism when I was younger and why I meet many people I think who are afraid of evangelism today. We've talked about style, but also I think is this sense you have to do it on your own. It's you out sharing your faith with your friends and your workplace, unsupported, just you. And if you don't get it right, everything goes badly wrong. And anything that can help people reorientate and go, you know, God has places into families and teams and churches and communities because we have all these gifts together. And if we can learn to work together, yes. and no one is trying to share their faith unsupported. Um, yeah. You know, evangelism is a team is a team sport. It's more like it's more like football or hockey than it is yeah. say rock climbing. I agree totally, but I do want to put in a caveat, and that is you don't have to wait till you're always with your wife or your 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 group from your church so that you're like now together a lot of times the best evangelism is one-on-one -on -one. but when we realize it's a process i don't have to have all the answers or do the end all everything in this meeting rather you know we get talking and then they start raising something and you know i've, I've been in conversations where someone turns out they have a baha'i background they're raised, well i know a guy who's an expert on that hey why don't the three of us have coffee together and so that's how the team often works. It's not like you're always all there together, but you, you know, team up, you pull people in as needed and so forth. The other little caveat I want to put is it, it, it can be natural. It can fit you. It can be something that doesn't feel like you're, you know, an imposter, all the things we've been talking about, but you still have to be willing to take risks. Yes. It always feels risky to open your mouth, to start the conversation, to answer a question, to, to challenge an idea. It always feels risky, and the enemy's always going to be whispering in the ear of every believer, uh, not now, don't be a jerk, this is not a good time. And so we do have to overcome that. If mm. we're going to be used by God, we got to be willing to take risks for the sake of the gospel. Oh, that's a great, that's great advice to uh to end with so mark we've been talking about contagious faith um so how do people find it what's the best way for people to find out about the book and, and, the, and the video and again, resource? it's a regular book folks can read but it's also a six-week video training course and there's a website which is just contagiousfaithbook.com so it's just the name of the book contagious faith plus the word book 
Com. And there's not only information on it, and it shows some of the endorsements, people that uh, have gotten behind it, but uh, there's also a little uh, questionnaire in there that you can take quickly. It's kind of a small version of what's in the actual course uh, to quickly kind of assess which of these is probably my style. So I'd urge people to go to contagiousfaithbook.com and do that little questionnaire and check it out. And I hope it'll help liberate a whole bunch of our folks that are listening now and not only them, but then they will become liberators of others so that we really, this does get contagious. An epidemic, as we've learned the hard way, spreads person to person. But if we each do our part, it can spread quickly. We need a, an epidemic of Christian faith spreading around the world. Love it. Well, likewise, we'll put a link to the book as well as to the Lee Strobel Center in the show notes. Mark, it's been an absolute privilege. Thank you so much for making the time and being a guest with us today on Pep Talk. Thank you, Andy, and thanks for all that you do to serve so many. Bless you. And uh, for all of you listening at home or in the car or at the gym, wherever you're catching this episode, uh, join us in uh, two weeks' time for another episode and another guest and another edition of Pep Talk. Bye for now.